Oh, hi. I'm Dr. K. Mastercola, physical therapist and mental health meme maker. I've spent the past 10 years navigating life with mental illness, and I found a lot of survival guides out there, but none that talk about what happens next. No one is talking about that radical space between surviving and thriving. So I created this podcast as a way to embrace the awkward in pursuit of finding what success truly means. Thanks for coming along too. This is The Thrive Guide. Welcome back to the Thrive Guide podcast. I'm your host, Dr. K. Mastercola, better known on the internet as DPTs with Anxiety. And today, fall is in the air. I am so excited. This is my favorite time of year. I love everything spooky, candy, Halloween, costumes. Give me more. I joke that I chose a career that made it socially acceptable to like be able to keep skeletons out year round because I love Halloween that much. And so while I love the season of fall, I think this is a very appropriate time to talk about um, one of my biggest falls ever as, uh, as a person. And so I think what's ironic about a lot of this is as physical therapists out there, we always discuss fall prevention and we think about, okay, how do we keep our patients safe? How do we keep our patients safe? And we sometimes fail to ask how to keep ourselves safe. And this was a lesson that I learned really hard on my third date. So let me set the scene for you. I'm a freshman in college. So for you guys who um, haven't listened to previous episodes or aren't familiar, I went to school out at St. Louis University, which is a six-year direct admit program, meaning you are admitted to the school as a freshman, as a little baby 18-year-old, sign a contract, and you're like, yep, I'm going to be a PT when I get big. And you stay in the program for six years, and they don't make it easy, but they make it worth it, you know? A lot of pros and cons. I can kind of talk in another episode about that, about like my choice to go to PT school, my choice in kind of doing the direct access route. Um, but overall kind of came down to two things, saving time, saving money. And that was really important to me. And I loved what SLU had to offer. So setting the scene, I'm 18 years old. It is February. So it is my second semester of PT school. And I had just started going out with this guy and he was my first Tinder date. Um, things were going really well. Our first date was before winter break and then chat a little bit over winter break. He was from Long Island. I was from New Jersey. We both were in St. Louis. So it was, I joked that like he was the only guy who could walk as fast as me. And that's why it ended up working out. Um, but we get back to St. Louis and our second date was so great. We had gone uh, to see Red Hot Chili Peppers, who he had gotten tickets to for Christmas. And so I was like, okay, how do I make the third date like? top this like what what do we do that is better than a red hot chili's pepper concert um and apparently the answer to that was rock climbing <laughs> now have either of us been rock climbing in the past 10 years absolutely not and did i even think twice before buying the group on did not not at all did i ask him if he even knew how to rock climb if he liked to rock climb no because you know what i can do is i can read people and he seemed like the guy who would be down for anything as long as you don't tell him where you're going so he would be the person who says no i don't want to do that but if you tell him that you already bought it then he's gonna go and do it and i was so correct it was to my own detriment so <laughs> i don't tell him where we're going i tell him we have plans we hop in the uber on the way to the Uber, I'm like, okay, we're going rock climbing. Bam, he's trapped, can't exit. And he's like, 
okay, we're going rock climbing. So we end up going to this like indoor rock climbing gym. It's super fun. And we're doing like all of the like harness climbing. The date is going phenomenal. I was like, we are the same person, but better and have a lot in common. And you want to do medicine and I want to do medicine. And we're just having great conversation and laughing. And then we both find out that we are very, very competitive. The two of us are very competitive and it made itself most known as we were kind of like winding down. We've climbed all of the harnessed walls and in front of me is the bouldering wall. And so if you guys aren't familiar with rock climbing, a bouldering wall is typically a wall which you climb sideways, um, kind of mimics more of like a natural rock formation, has a little bit more like crater divot, and is definitely not something that you're like supposed to scale all the way to the top, especially not if you have just been rock climbing for 45 minutes, like not even just the fatigue, but just like the skill level, like it should come with like a warning sign. Like, you know how like ski slopes have like the bunny trail and like the black diamond, like this is a black diamond on flames basically. And there, I had already signed my life away on a waiver and I was just like, why not? Uh, so we're both entirely way too competitive for this arena right now. And we set ourselves up and he looks at me and he's like, I bet I can beat you to the top. Now, I want you to keep in mind in this story that I am 5'5", five five and he is 6'1". So, like, already he is, like, at, at the top already. There, there's nowhere else for him to go. His wingspan is that of Michael Phelps. And so I was like, bet, I can beat you. I'm going to go all like spider monkey on there because you're too tall. You don't know how to move your body. I'm a physical therapist. I will get there. She was not a physical therapist yet. This is where it all went wrong. And so... Basically how it worked is that like at the bottom of the bouldering wall, there was a little button that you kicked and it started the timer and then you scale the wall. And at the top, there's another timer that you can press and it kind of like marks your time. So he goes up first, clocks in at a time, comes on down and is like, go beat that. And this is also where we went wrong again, is that I probably should have went first because even though we were both competitive, I'm a middle kid competitive. Like he's an older kid, but like I'm a middle kid competitive. Like I am competing for everything left and right in my household. So like I am scrappy and I am like ready and for victory and like will not let you forget it. So I walk in, I'm so cocky. I click that button and I scale the wall so fast. And I know that I am beating him because I can see the timer and I know the time that he got. And so I'm about to hit the buzzer and my hand is on a peg. And I go and I reach up and I really like hyper extend to grab it, hit the buzzer. And as I am doing that, I realize that my other hand is on an unstable peg. I am on a full rounded peg with no grip and I have let go of my only gripped hand. So there I go. Instead of hitting a button, I am now falling 15 feet backwards. And what happened in that moment, I can't really tell you next. All I remember is hitting the ground. And so I hit the ground. Rick says at the time that my head had bounced about two full feet off the ground. To add more irony to the story, I'm studying physical therapy. He's studying neuroscience. So he is witnessing a traumatic brain injury in the flesh. Fast forward seven years, he is now studying to be an emergency physician, which again, witnessing a medical emergency that I probably should have taken care of sooner than I did. Uh, so he runs over. And obviously the only thing that like I can feel hurt in this time period is my pride. And uh, <laughs> I muster up and I'm like, see, I beat you. And he's like, yeah, to the bottom. And uh, so even in, in those moments, he, uh, 
he continues to humble me. And that's where I was like, I like this one. I like this one. I'll keep this one. And so everything is kind of like doubled fuzzy. And, but again, this is our third date and I really like this guy. And I'm like, I'm not going to let me like being a klutz, like completely ruin this for me. Abs- absolutely not. Nope. And so he was like, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I was like, I'm just going to need some water and then I will go and keep climbing. And, uh, again, middle kid, I am so prideful. And, uh, I was also lived in a household where like, if your bone is not outside your body, you don't go to the hospital and like point blank. That's kind of what it was. And I was like, I'm fine. I felt dust myself off. No bones are outside my body. I signed a waiver and like the, I fell on like a padded mat, kind of like a gymnast mat. So it's not like I fell into like concrete. Like I wasn't bleeding out of my eyeballs or anything. Like I just like bonked my noggin. But like, if you ask my dad, like I've got a pretty hard head. So, (laughs) um, so he was like, he didn't know what to do. It's his third date with me. So he's trying to impress me. I'm trying to impress him. So he's like, okay, if you want to keep climbing, we'll keep climbing. So we ended up going back to like a harnessed wall, kept climbing for another like 10 minutes. And then I was like hit with just a wave of nausea. And I was like, I should really go home. And he's like, we should really go home. And so we called the Uber. We head back. He hangs out for a little bit longer. And then he goes back to like his campus. I go back to mine and I start studying for my organic chem class the next day. I had an organic chem test later that week. And so I'm trying to like do my assignments and all of a sudden, like there are numbers and equations that are like floating off the page. Like things are like moving around the page. And the logical explanation that my brain came to in this time is, uh, oh yeah, I just need coffee at like 6 p.m. I'm just tired. That That's what happens when you are tired. And so I go and I stand up and the wave of vertigo that hits me is like, I literally dropped to the ground and like, I, like I thought that there was like an earthquake going on because of like the cyclone that I was in. Like, Toto, we are not in Kansas anymore, kind of spinning. And I was like, oh, this is not good. This is, this is going to need co- more than coffee to fix. Uh, so did what any normal girl does and, uh, called her mom and, uh, made sure that, uh, the hospital would be covered out here by our insurance. And I was like, where, where do you think I should go? I, I might've hit, I might've hit the noggin. And she was like, you can try an urgent care first. And I was like, good, good mom. Well, at first she was like, are any bones out of your body? And I was like, no, she's like, yeah, try an urgent care. And, um, at this point I am like, pretty convinced i'm like this is a concussion there's nothing that anybody can really do so getting medical documentation for a concussion is something that i just need um just to kind of like give me like the rest that i might need in in school and like the week off or whatever so go to urgent care urgent care says there's nothing we can do i need a head ct uh spent the evening in the er thankfully and still honestly much to their surprise as well like falling 15 feet onto my head like i really just walked out with a pretty severe concussion which like looking back now like as a trained physical therapist i am like holy i that is something that is incredibly impressive is that i i did only walk away with a grade 4 concussion and so basically got the documentation I needed. But again, like I said, I'm hardheaded. And so in my world, life doesn't stop for a little headache. And I got the concussion spiels in high school. I got that. 
but the concussion spiels didn't take into account when you have organic chemistry and biology and human physiology all in the same semester and your entire career is hanging by a thread that you decided to uh, not attach yourself to when you went rock climbing. So uh, much to something that my friends like make fun of me still to this day is that I decided to go to Oreo Ken the next morning. And so if you can picture it, I have like this like low brimmed hat on. I've got sunglasses on because everything, every small amount of light is like way too much input. And I'm just like sitting there looking like um, that guy from like that scene in Mean Girls where he's like, she doesn't even go here. And um, my my teacher walks over, my organic chem professor, Dr. Bagwell, and she was like, okay, what you doing? And meanwhile, this is like a Monday morning and I I really didn't party a lot in college. I really didn't have an affinity for alcohol or anything. And I'm realizing now in this moment just how hungover I look as like an 18-year-old in a rigorous PT program wearing my sunglasses and my hat in uh, organic chem class at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning. And uh, thankfully, I had my, my friend who was a saving grace go, oh, she's concussed. Please send her home. So I guess that story could have gone two ways where it's like I could have like in retrospect, like pretended I was hungover or in retrospect had like the professor with the uh, thought that maybe I was, or just like maybe trying to be like the cool kid and trying out a new look. Maybe sunglasses during the day are in. How do you know, Dr. Bagwell, you do organic chemistry. We're two different groups of people. Um, but no, I was, uh, I was outed on my injury by a, by a very loving friend, which honestly was probably the right move because she kicked me out of class and made sure I didn't come back until I had proper documentation clearing me to come back to class. Um, and that was when it got reported to my program that I had a concussion. And that's where this story kind of really starts to go from like comical to man, how do we advocate for our students better? And so in this moment, I am technically and classified as disabled. There are things that I cannot do. Um, I am at a disadvantage to other people due to I'm requiring accommodations and I am doing things that require modification. So therefore I fit the description as disabled. Oh, hi, sorry. I wanted to interrupt just to bring you a message from one of our amazing sponsors that helps keep this podcast running. So without further ado, October 1st is fast approaching and you know what that means, spooky season and nothing is scarier than student loan payments. Thankfully, I have Varela Financial, a company dedicated to understanding all the tricks of student loan repayment so you can treat yourself with the money you save. Schedule a free student loan consultation at varelafinancial.com. That's V-A-R-E-L-A financial.com. The options I was presented to as a student at this time, and I was called into my mentor's meeting. Um, so it was my mentor, and then it was my um, academic advisor who for no reason you should just know was absolutely useless. <laughs> My mentor literally did everything for me. She was phenomenal. Um, and he was just kind of sitting in the corner and she was like, I need you to know that the program has kind of auto unenrolled you. And when I think back on those words, I understand them, but they still don't make sense to me without my approval the university whom I have paid has auto unenrolled me due to medical circumstances. 
And I understand that it was my best intentions put forward. And I understand that there's protocols put in place. But I also still don't necessarily understand how that was their jurisdiction to auto unenroll me from a program. So my options were in front of me were this. It was you go home and you don't you don't do PT because you are a second semester freshman. You can do whatever you want with your life. All you have are these one semester of science credits. You have another option to wait an entire year. So this is February of 2017. Come back January of 2018 with the class below you and start again. But just so you know, it is too far into this semester. You already missed the withdrawal period by like two weeks. So there's nothing we can do to like refund you for the rest of the semester and it won't roll over to next year. You'll just like pay it again. Um, and that was my two options. And I was like, what if I want to stay? And she was like, I, I can take it to the Dean and I can fight the Dean for you, but know that those are, those are your options. And I was like, wow. So between like bad and broke or bad and home and neither of them were kind of on my, on my bingo board for that year. And I understand when we look at students with accommodations and the, the hesitance to give them what they need, but to like make a decision for them to take away their autonomy, that is not within the realm of what physical therapists do. So why do higher academics in physical therapy do that as well? You know, if I had a patient who came in with like a torn ACL and I was like, well, your choices here are you can get surgery and then just kind of like walk it off in a year and hope that it gets better. Or you can just go home and not do anything. And then that leg will just eventually kind of like rot off and die instead of like, Hey, maybe I can give you these modifications while it's still painful right now. And like, then we can kind of move on like some strengthening and get you back. Funny when you take it out of the brain, physical therapists understand it. And yeah, I'm calling you guys out. I'm calling myself out on an ableistic profession, right? And, and, and I speak on this on the national level. Physical therapists are really bad at understanding mental illness. Physicians as a whole are very bad at understanding invisible illness. If it is not in front of their face, they believe it is coming from your head. You're making it up. It's in your head. And here's what I counteract with. Yeah, it's coming from your brain. It's not in your head. If my brain could use a crutch, it absolutely would in this moment. And then somehow that would be valid to you as a physical therapist. You can gate train me with a crutch. Gate train me with a concussion. Help me. And so words I have now looking on this injury seven years later that I didn't have then. And should I have? Because I was 18 in a rigorous program and concussed. And so this is kind of like where, again, I am very lucky. And you'll hear me say over and over if you follow this podcast or if you have listened to me speak, um, my mentor, Dr. Kettenbach, was the the most badass person that I could ever have on my team. And I still talk to her and I still thank her. And one day, if y'all blow up this podcast so big, I swear the Ginge Kettenbach scholarship is being created. So, um, but <laughs> until then, I can only just sing her praise because she went to the dean and she fought it. 
And she's like, this kid has something and she's going to stick it out. And they proved it. And they were like, one week of medical leave. And then she's back. And I was like, one week of medical leave and then I'm back. And so that to me was a challenge. And um, not the kind of challenge that I get when like the guy at the all you can eat sushi bar is like, are you sure you want four rolls? And I'm like, I'm sure I want four rolls. Like this was a challenge that I like had to accept that was like, fit your circle self into a square peg and try to make it work and go ahead and shave the edges and cut the corners because otherwise there's, there's no hope for you. And that's a really scary place to be in. So I'll tell you what I did is I rested for three, four days because physically my body made me physically. I was so sick from this massive concussion and I couldn't really stand bright lights. I had to, um, keep all the windows down in my, in my dorm room. And thankfully my one, um, I had two dorm mates at the time. One of them was really nice. The other one was home half the time, which was great. Cause she wasn't very respectful of those needs. Um, she wasn't a physical therapy student, but like, still, if you're also listening to this, like have decent courtesy when like your roommates aren't feeling well. Um, and just kind of like, be like, yeah, maybe it's not a you problem. Um, <laughs> that's a side di- di- digression. Um, but so I, long story longer, really rushed my recovery. And so I had to continue to play catch up and work through, you know, I was taking like low doses of like Oxycontin to like keep the headache down. And, you know, I'm still very thankful. Um, ADHD, people with ADHD have very addictive personalities and um, get very addicted to things like that very easily. And I'm very, very thankful for um, not being put in that that situation where um, I did because I have patients who had, and it's a very challenging kind of thing. And if you're struggling with that too, like there's resources out there. Um, I'm just very thankful that that wasn't my experience. Um, but there were things that I definitely had to do that I probably wouldn't choose to do uh, if I had the choice to kind of do it again, or if I had better options that were provided to me. And I think that that's something that's huge to talk about too, is like options that are provided to me. Because again, looking back seven years later, I now know I could have very well, they could have easily given me an incomplete for that semester and given me a three-week extension to complete everything I needed to do on the back end of things. So I would have just had to like pause that small section, come back to it at the end of the semester and then kind of like keep going. They didn't want to do that extra work. And I think that's the thing that hurt more than the falling and more than the concussion and more than all of it was that I was, my disability at the time was a minor inconvenience to them. And it was easier to watch me go than it was to help me stay. And I think that if you're finding yourself in that situation where you're not having your needs met, continuing to ask the same question to different people is going to be incredibly important. It's like, are there things out there that I can get that can help me? Are there resources out there that I can utilize? And I'll do a whole series episode on like the top five things that made me a successful physical therapy student. But I will tell you the number one thing that I utilized was like my student success resource center. I paid them with my tuition and I used them for what they were worth. Because here's the thing is like, I still had to go back and be a student. My life didn't stop because I got a concussion. I pushed through that concussion and long story short, now I can't read lined paper, right? I hit right on the back of my occipital lobe. And now my ability to read lined paper, I have a form of 
dyslexia. The the letters they float around. I can I have to work very hard um, to kind of keep them focused, and so I had to now learn an entire new way to study because before that I had notebooks. And I had notebooks that were journals of the things I did in class. And the left side of it was the drawing and the right side of it was the notes I took in class. And that's how I did things. But here's the thing. I had to throw them all out. Everything from January to that day in February, um, I couldn't read those notes. And to this day, I really can't tell you why that is, uh, why this kind of form of dyslexia, again, um, occasionally seeing specialist is a privilege. Um, and so I never actually did get to follow up with a neurologist. Um, probably should with like a vestibular PT. So if anybody out there wants to help a girl out, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I never kind of like got that follow-up care. And so it's just kind of something that I've like adapted to, right. Understanding that that's part of my limitation. Um, and so that student success center, I was like, what do I do? Like I have, I'm a week behind and now I have to not only play a week catch up, but I also have to learn what I'm learning now. And so they, and I can't read any of this. And so they were amazing. And they kind of take, took a look at um, like my learning style and they were like, yeah, but these drawings are good. Tell me more about the drawings. And I was like, oh, like that's what I use to like pull over my notes from. And like, and they were like, just do that. Just do that. And do that on blank pieces of paper. And sometimes it's just allowing someone else to think for you because you are allowed to get out of your head when they do that, right? If you're in your own head trying to fix yourself, you're going to try to fix yourself like you know how other people work. Whereas when someone else tries to help you with their problem, they're trying to help you and see the way that you work. And I think that's really valuable. So again, checking with your university if you have a student success center, because they really are the people who like got degrees and actually really enjoy what they do for the most part. And so um, to St. Louis use like disability services and student success center, like I'm, I'm forever in gratitude for all the help that you did give me. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping those resources are available campus-wide and to graduate students as well. Because um, secondly, I was still like in an undergraduate phase, but I had access to them as a grad student too. And that wasn't because I was in like a hybrid program. So long story longer, I had to come up with the mantra of adapt and overcome. Everything in my life since my concussion has been adapt and overcome because that concussion actually kind of spiraled into a traumatic brain injury. And like the two are interchangeable, but actually like more so if I would have gotten the rest, the accommodations, the time, the dignity to heal, I don't think I would have been classified as a traumatic brain injury as something so permanent as this kind of like form of dyslexia is. And again, I am very privileged. I am incredibly lucky that my disability from this injury was not worse than it was. And I am very, 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 very aware of that. And I use the term disability, like my own like internal ableism is a little bit like, it's not even a disability if you can modify it. It's like, no, it is something that disables me. Like if I do get a note written on lined paper, I do have to like spend more time, risk a migraine, things like that. Things the difference between, again, being sick and being well or being disabled and being well is having to think about how you're going to do an activity of your daily life differently than someone else. That's point blank and easy definition of disability is how how to modify your environment to make it easier for you when other people don't even have to think about it. 
Okay. And so don't downplay yourself because it's less of a disability than someone else's. Because in that definition, if you all fit, doesn't matter if some people have to fit and adapt more, you all are able to use that title and you're all able to kind of advocate for more social change and more universal design. And so things I do now as a, as a physical therapist, um, I make sure to understand my patient's learning styles, right? Because my learning style changed so much. My, my ability to understand how I learned changed. So the way that I take my notes is that I eventually moved from like physical paper to an iPad and that, that was game changing. If you guys don't have an iPad in PT school, like it changed, changed my life with the Apple pen and like the good notes app. So everything on there was a doodle. Everything was a flow chart. Everything had a story. And I found these ways to kind of like become a kinesthetic learner, right? To put things out into actual like metaphysical form so I can shape it, build it, and then re-see it on the exam. And in some ways, I think I'm very um, privileged, I don't think is the word, but, and I don't say lucky, but in the, in some way or another, like everything happens for a reason. And like, even before the TBI, like the notebook thing wasn't really working very well. It was very much info dump and go. Whereas I felt like when I changed this kind of learning style, it kind of forced me to learn actually, oh, this is how your brain was meant to work all along. Um, and it could have been like, it exacerbated the ADHD symptoms or it did this or it did that. It doesn't matter. I, I learned something about myself through an event that happened in my life. And I'm, I'm thankful for that because it makes me a better person. It makes me a better clinician because I can look at patients and I'm like, how do you need this information presented to you? And I was like, are you more of a visual learner? Are you auditory? Can I have you write it as I say it? Can I have you practice it? Do you want to feel it on me? If you are a physical therapist who is not able to teach the same movement four different ways, and all my PTs out there, I challenge you, pick one exercise, pick clamshells for all I care, right? Can you demonstrate it? Can you describe it? Can you draw it? Can you write the instruction? Because that is how you're going to be able to accommodate other patients' needs, right? accommodate their learning styles. Do they need it visual? Do they need to see you do it? Do they need it tactile? Do they need to do it? Can you put your hands on them? Find out how they work. Your patient is not going to learn based on the style you teach every single time. Think about PT school. Think about that professor you loved. Think about that professor that you just didn't understand what they were saying. What were their differences? And so if this kind of like TBI journey taught me every anything, it's like be able to accept help when you need it, be able to ask for help when you need it, be able to advocate for yourself when you need it. Again, ask what accommodations are there out there for me? What are all of my options? Can you tell me what would happen if I didn't do this? And if someone tells you, no, I don't know the answer. Do you know somebody who does? Because I guarantee you they do. Because even if they don't want to do the grout work and they're blowing you off, they do know the answer. They just don't, don't want to tell you. Right. And maybe it's not even their fault. Maybe they don't have the spoons in that moment to do it. We've all done that. You know, we've all been like, well, I could really explain this very hard, complicated thing to a patient, or I could just tell them to like, do this very simple thing. And kind of the, the odds are the same. So chances are they might know somebody else and they probably will know someone else and they probably will send you to them. And maybe in that moment, that person has spoons, or maybe you ask the same person again in a different way, because maybe you ask them one day when they don't have spoons and you ask them another day when they do have spoons. And so you get different answers from 
asking the same question a different way. Or maybe they just didn't fully understand how you asked it the first time. Maybe the way that they receive information is very visual. So when you also write in an email, they read it better because they can read it over and over instead of hearing the question once and already forgetting what they said. So keep those things in mind as you're like communicating with people. Keep those things in mind as you're advocating for yourself is like, no is not a closed door. A lot of people think that it's just this like thing shutting in your face. It's more of a revolving door, right? Where it's like, you might end up back at the same person, but at least you ask again, right? At least you get sent somewhere else. And yes, it can be annoying and hamster wheelie and get old very quickly. But if it's something worth fighting for, then I think that it's worth getting. So a lot of things I learned um, in this TBI journey is that, you know, you're, we're not designed to do things the same way as everybody else. And that was a very hard pill for me to swallow, but it also made it me a better PT. And so I think, again, I challenge you to do things in, in different ways, making sure you can describe that exercise to your patient six different ways, have a different metaphor, have six different metaphors for how you can explain what this bone is doing on this joint, right? Finding those different ways is going to make you a better clinician. Finding those ways is going to make you a better like advocate, better friend, better person. And it doesn't take falling 16 feet on your head to get there because I already did it for you. <laughs> um, I do want to end this kind of like on, I guess, like a happier note. So um, alluded to it, like in the start of the story, like um, this guy was from Long Island and things were going great. Things are still going very great. We've been together almost seven years in December. He's getting his MD in April and we are a wonderful uh, neurospacey couple with uh, autism and ADHD. So it's a very cute, cute dynamic. But um, just letting you know that sometimes if you do fall on your head, it doesn't scare them away. <laughs> well, that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Thrive Guide. And please uh, don't go rock climbing unharnessed if you haven't gone rock climbing for the past 10 years. So uh, that's what I'm going to leave you with. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Thrive Guide, presented on the PT Pinecast Network. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or a comment down below. It helps other people find us. You can check out links to everything mentioned in the show notes below. Thank you again, and keep on thriving.